Many Trees, Lift Health for All is a podcast from the Center for Health Equity Transformation, gathering voices in research and communities around Chicago. Conversations and interviews will discuss the importance of achieving health equity, highlighting health disparities, and exploring innovative ways to improve health for all. Thank you for joining us on Skinny Trees, Lift Health for All. We, like many of our fellow Chicagoans, are staying home and practicing social distancing to flatten the curve. We are here to present a mini-series, COVID-19 in our Chicago communities. Each mini-episode will focus on a different community in Chicago to find out how they are coping with these difficult times. This episode features our co-host, Araceli Estrada, interviewing Greg Trotter, Senior Public Relations Manager, the spokesperson for the Greater Chicago Food Depository. He was a food business reporter for the Chicago Tribune, where he often writes stories about SNAP benefits and inequities in access to food. He strongly believes that no one should go hungry. Thank you, Greg, and thank you, Eric Selly. How are you both doing today? Hi, thank you, Ivy. I'm doing great. How about you, Greg? Hello, doing well. Thanks for having me today. We will jump right in with um, some questions. Greg, can you describe the community that your organization serves? Sure. So the Greater Chicago Food Depository, we, we are the Chicago's food bank. Um, so we serve a network of hundreds of partners and programs in Chicago and throughout Cook County. Uh, most of our partners are food pantries, but we also distribute food to soup kitchens and shelters, other types of programs, children's programs, older adult programs. Um, and so we serve, you know, anyone who needs food through our network of partners. And even before the coronavirus pandemic, um, the need for food assistance in Cook County was significant. One in eight people in Cook County experienced food insecurity on any given day, even before this pandemic has obviously made, uh, you know, many people's financial situations much more difficult. Um, so there was a significant um, need for food assistance even before this pandemic hit, and now um, it's even more so. Thank you, Greg. Um, you you mentioned that one in eight people before the pandemic faced food insecurity. Would you mind describing um, what food insecurity means, and if you think like this number has changed and maybe increased since the pandemic started? Sure. So. Um, so that number, that that figure comes from Feeding America's annual map, the, the Mill Gap study. So it's an annual report they do down to the community level on food insecurity across the country. Um, the Food Depository is part of the Feeding America National Network of Food Banks. And so um, that number, so yeah, it, they map food insecurity for each community. And food insecurity is basically... Um, lack of consistent access to nutritious food. And so, whereas hunger is more of a physiological condition, uh, you know, anybody can be hungry at any point, uh, food insecurity is more of an economic, socioeconomic state where you, you lack the consistent access uh, or lack the, the ability to consistently buy nutritious quality food to have a healthy life. And, you know, certainly, um, I think it's fair to say that we expect it, uh, the, the food insecurity rate to, certainly we expect more people 
to be facing food insecurity as a result of the coronavirus pandemic with all the, the businesses closing, the schools closing, um, many people are facing hunger and food insecurity for the first time in their lives. Um, our network of food pantries uh, in recent weeks were serving on average 60% more people in need across our network. Um, so the lines at the food pantries are longer, uh, more people are coming through the doors for the first time ever. Um, and this is all kind of building on top of already like it, what was a pretty significant food insecurity problem here in Cook County. And so as we look at this situation and, you know, everybody's wondering and hoping for life to get back to normal, uh, you know, it, I think it's really important for all of us to recognize that that the economic impact of this pandemic is going to have a long tail. So this is, there's going to be a high need um, for food assistance for months and years to come as a result of this pandemic. Yes, that's very unfortunate to hear, um, especially how you mentioned that there's a lot of individuals that this might be their first time um, seeking food assistance or just going into a food depository. Um, can you explain a little bit like how the food depository works and how people can go about receiving some of these services that you provide? Sure. So in terms of operations, we do a lot of different things, but sort of the core function of a food bank is to distribute food out into the community. And so we have a large warehouse facility down on the southwest side in the Archer Heights neighborhood. And it's a giant, you know, kind of big giant warehouse. And you walk in and, you know, there's just, you know, stocked with food. And all of that food comes in from various sources. And then it goes out on our trucks um, throughout the city and every neighborhood um, and throughout Cook County. And so, um, and so we're distributing food out to those food pantries, out to the soup kitchens and shelters and all the other programs that we serve. And so that's distributing that food is really the core function. Now we also do other things too. Um, we have, um, for example, a fresh truck produce program to where we're delivering truckloads of um, fresh produce specifically to health clinics in low-income neighborhoods, um, which, and that has continued um, during the pandemic. We have a culinary job training program that has basically been, um, you know, halted. It's you know on pause for now. Um, there, I think they've been doing some remote learning, but um, they're just not able to come together and work in the in the kitchen in the classroom, um, just because of the social distance distancing concerns at this point. So very much looking forward to getting that program back up and running. Um, other things we do, um, we also have a, a SNAP. Uh, benefits outreach team. And so we have a, our team connects people to SNAP and Medicaid. So just as another measure of the increased need, um, we've seen a tenfold increase in the, the number of calls that the benefits outreach team is getting. So a lot of people who have been recently furloughed or laid off trying to connect to benefits. Um, so that's in a, yeah, many of those people are either recently laid off, older adults, um, many of them are um, Latino immigrants. And so that's some of what we're seeing right now. 
And is anyone just eligible to receive these services? Do they need to bring yes. any um, documentation? They yeah. don't need any of that? Right. So, sorry, I, I forgot to answer that part of your question. Yeah. So, anybody who, who wants, uh, anyone who needs food, if you can't afford to go buy your own food and you need food assistance, you can go to chicagosfoodbank.org. It's our website. And you'll the, one of the first buttons you'll see is a find food. And you click on that button. And it'll take you to a locator map, and you can put in your address, um, and you'll see what's what's available for you in your neighborhood. Um, and you, if if you don't have internet access, you could also call seven seven three two four seven three six six three. So anyone, if you if you come to a, one of the food pantries in our network for food, you won't be turned away. You don't need anything. Um, you know, they may in normal times they ask for a proof of address. But we've even relaxed that a little bit just because we're really trying to reduce the intake process to minimize any sort of risk of, you know, the virus transmission. Um, so we're trying to make it a really quick and seamless process for people to get food. So, um, you know, if you have a proof of address, please bring it. If not, you'll still get food. It's okay. So anybody can get it. All will be served as long as supplies last. Thank you. Um, we will link both the website and the phone number you just provided in the episode description. Great, thank you. And you mentioned like as long as there is um, enough to sustain like the need. Do you think that the food dis depository can sustain like if there's like a a huge increase in need that you might notice from individuals in Chicago? Well, I mean, I think so. It's been challenging, right? Um, because many of our food pantries are run by older adults who are themselves more at risk. And so we have had some pantries that have had to close. And so about 70% of our network remains operational. Um, and that 70% has remained stable in recent weeks, which is good. You know, in the first couple of weeks, we were seeing a lot of pantries close. And now we've been sort of holding steady at that 70%, um, which I think bodes well uh, for going forward. And we're, we've taken steps to keep our partners strong and operational. We recently announced a million dollar grant program. Uh, so to help offset rising costs for our partners. So, um, and the amount of the grants varies kind of between $1,500 and $5,000 per agency. And it's a sliding scale based on various factors. So if it like really high income, high food insecurity neighborhoods uh, likely will get more in grant money. Um, things like that. We've also uh, like all food from the food depository is, is free for our partners right now. You, it's usually most of it is free, uh, especially like any food that's donated to us, but they, our partners have the option to buy additional food um, at cost off of an online menu. And so for now, we're saying like it's all just free for now because we know how challenging it is for our partners to continue operating. So we're doing everything we can to keep them up and running. I think, you know, just speaking to another kind of aspect of that question, the supply chain is a concern for sure. Um, We've, the food is, we've had more difficulty buying the food that we normally buy. We're not getting as many uh, food donations from food manufacturers. 
Um, and so we're having to buy more and the food that we buy is either um, more expensive than usual or it's harder to get or sometimes just impossible to get. And so that's an ongoing challenge with the supply chain. Um, food manufacturers are trying to ramp up to meet the increased demand at stores. And so they're donating less to food banks in general. Um, I expect that that's going to continue to be a challenge, but we think we're going to be able to manage for now. But it really, it also kind of underscores like when people ask what they can do to help, like we really say like, you know, donating money is really the most important thing right now because this is all just so expensive. The, the whole response and costs continue to rise. And so if anybody is willing and able to donate, they can also do that through our website at chicagosfoodbank.org. Thank you. We will also include the donation link in the description. Greg, how would you say that the COVID-19 pandemic uniquely impacts Chicago or the community communities that you've seen and how do how are these existing issues being brought to the surface? Well, I you know, I some of it is just what's happening all over the country, right? Um, the, in terms of the economic hardship, I mean, you're, we're seeing footage of people um, lined up in their cars down in San Antonio for like a food distribution. Um, things, images like that are popping up in, in news reports um, throughout the country. But I would say that there, I mean, there are definitely some distinct challenges here in Chicago. I mean, it's all, before all of this, this we're, it's a city of great disparities, right? Um, the low-income neighborhoods, communities of color on the south and west side um, have, are even before coronavirus, were disproportionately affected by food insecurity. Um, some of these neighborhoods have poverty and unemployment rates, like 20 to 30%, um, even in good times back when unemployment was like 3%. Um, nationally. And so we're seeing those disparities um, are really coming to the forefront even more now um, because, you know, with the schools closed, um, families with kids are having a hard, harder time. A lot of people are out of work and there's just not as much access for food in a lot of these neighborhoods. There's not as many uh, places where people can even get healthy food. So that's obviously a, a huge concern. And, and there's been some good reporting about how these same communities are being disproportionately hit and devastated by COVID-19. Um, and Black people in particular, the fatalities are just, um, they're being uh, really hard hit by this virus uh, in these communities. And so we, uh, last week, Early last week, we announced that we're doing some new mobile uh, distributions of food uh, in in seven different uh, communities on the south. Actually, it's more 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 than seven. Uh, probably about ten different communities on the south and west side, um, partnering with new faith and community based groups um, to do kind of pop up distributions. And each one of these will serve up to a thousand uh, households uh, per distribution. And so it's kind of like part of our plan. Like we're trying to fill in some of the gaps in service while, while still sort of keeping our network as strong as possible. Um, and so at each of these distributions, a household can get a 20 to 30 pound box of non-perishable food, some fresh produce, some meat, and um, 
you know, the hope is that with these new distributions and partnerships in these communities, it's, it's for now, it's, it's sort of a temporary response. We're doing these distributions for six weeks, but we hope that we're building some partnerships that will be lasting for much longer um, and, and hopefully improve food access in those communities. Uh, these are some exciting um, initiatives um, to hear about. For my last question, is there any long-term impact that you see this pandemic leaving on the community, the communities that you serve, especially the south and west sides of Chicago? Well, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, it's, I think it's a grim outlook, to be honest with you. I don't think there are many silver linings here. I, I think that these neighborhoods that have been, um, have for years struggled with poverty and food insecurity and have suffered from lack of investment and um you know structural racism through like redlining and other practices like that i think they're gonna receive the the worst of this in terms of the economic hardship and so it's incumbent on the rest of us here in the chicago area to try to do something about that and there's a lot of people who are working really hard to help and a lot of different unique um partnerships that have sort of come together in this crisis um, which is, you know, is heartening to see. And so we just have to keep that sustained going forward um, because the need is not going to go away anytime soon, no matter how, you know, soon they open the businesses and the schools and everything. Um, these people in these communities are going to need help for a long time. And so um, as a greater Chicago community, we have to stay invested in helping them out. Okay. Thank you so much, Greg, uh, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Greg, for all the resources that you have shared with us. We would like to thank all of our city's healthcare providers, essential workers, and everyone at the Greater Chicago Food Depository that are on the front lines and continue working hard to keep us all safe. We're all grateful to you all. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and authors and do not necessarily reflect or represent the views and opinions of the following entities. National Institutes of Health, the National Cancer Institute, Northwestern University, Northwestern Medicine, Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine, the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center, the Institute for Public Health and Medicine, University of Illinois at Chicago, and Northeastern Illinois University. Skinny Trees is proudly produced and edited in the Center for Health Equity Transformation, led by Dr. Melissa Simon at Northwestern University. Dr. Simon is a member of the United States Preventive Services Task Force, USPSTF. This podcast does not necessarily represent the views and policies of the USPSTF. Due to the social nature of this podcast, the content used might be copyrighted by another entity or person. This podcast claims no copyright to set content.